welcome to Awaken Podcast. I hope you enjoy the teaching. I love the buzz that goes on during the greeting time. I always want I always feel bad stopping it, but um I spent most of the week writing a sermon, so um we're gonna do that. Um, again, my name is Micah. Really glad that you're with us. A couple things we want to let you know about in the life of the church. Uh, first, if you are new around here, we're really glad that you're here. We'd love to know that you were here. Uh, you can do that by um, filling out a card in the seat pocket or the pew in front of you, or you go on our website, awakenwest7th.com, about halfway down, click the I'm new button. Somebody from our team will reach out and invite you to a beverage of your choice. Uh, you can get to know us a little bit. We can get to know you. That would be great. Uh, if you have tithes or offerings, um, those in the cards can go in the black boxes at each of the exits. There's also a bunch of different ways you can give online, and we are forever grateful for those investments and gifts to the church. A um, couple of announcements. Number one, uh, next Sunday is Melody's last day as the worship and arts director at Awaken. So it's the end of an era, um, a very bittersweet uh, moment for us as staff and as friends, and I think as a community, I can speak for all of us. Um, we'd invite you to join us downstairs uh, or spill out into the outdoors if it's nice out next week, just as a, a little uh, in the fellowship hall downstairs in the basement, if you would join us uh, to celebrate Melody. Uh, the following week on September the 3rd, um, I think that's Labor Day weekend, we will be in the park, so we will not be here at Highland Park Pavilion just up the street uh, down West 7th a little ways. Join us at 10.30 for that. Bring in a picnic uh, lunch if you want to stick around and you can uh, enjoy that as well. And then, very excited, uh, the fall retreat is coming up, friends. It's right around the corner, one of our favorite events of the whole year, uh, September 29 through October 1. So we've got, like, the prime fall weekend at Covenant Pines in McGregor, Minnesota. We've been there uh, the last few years, and that is just a very sweet time to be together. Uh, the theme of the weekend is community, and uh, there will be no gathering here on Sunday morning. We will record the, the gathering that week and then release it. So if you're not able to make it, you could still live stream the gathering. And um, the, the teaching will be on there and, uh, and as well as live up at, the, up at Covenant Pines. So join us for that. Registration will be open this week. And then last but not least, on the 10th, um, the week after Labor Day, here um, we're going to go back to two gatherings. So summer will officially be over at that point, sorry to say. Uh, two gatherings as we get back into the swing of things at uh, 9 and 10.30. Sound good? All information is in the Awaken Weekly, as always, so sign up for that. Um, we are in week 7 of a series in the book of Nehemiah. We have been walking with Nehemiah uh, as we've been kind of rebuilding something here at Awaken. Um, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna read a little bit of chapter 7 and a little bit of chapter 8, and I want to I want to begin with a question from chapter 7, and then we'll, take, uh, we'll look at a few observations from chapter 8. Um, so, Charlie's going to read our text this morning, so I would invite you to stand in body or in spirit as the text is read for this morning, and then we will jump right in. God, as we gather this morning, I'm grateful that we don't have to beg or plead or conjure up your presence. We don't have, you, we don't have to ask you to join us. But rather, we, we learn to become awake, to become aware of your presence, which is all around us, which has been from the very beginning and will continue on long before, long after we're gone. And so this morning we rest in that, that we receive that, we say yes to that, and ask you to guide, to lead, to teach, to transform us, to be the people that you've called us to be. We pray in the strong name of Christ. And by the power of the Spirit, the church said together, 
Amen. You may be seated. So a little bit of review. What you just heard there is chapter 7, the first portion, and then there was a very long list of names, which we skipped for you, and then chapter 8, which is what happens after they gather all the people. Remember, Nehemiah has started with mourning and grieving, right? There was something that was lost, something of great value, and so Nehemiah, the prophet, begins with grief and lament and naming the things that were lost. He moves to prayer, seeking God's face for this task that he feels he's been called to. And as he gains confidence in that task, he goes boldly to the king of Persia and asks him for resources to go back to the city and to rebuild the wall. Ezra tells the story of the temple being rebuilt. Nehemiah tells the story of the walls being rebuilt. There's opposition from both inside and outside of the camp. And as they move towards this goal, slowly but surely, finally, uh, the work is done. It's complete. And so in the last chapter we studied last week, the wall is built. It's done. Uh, Not after Nehemiah has listed all the people who've helped, because it matters what we do with our resources in our hands. And so now, now what is where we're at in the story, okay? Uh, I want to begin with a question that I was prompted, uh, that that, that sort of came to me, or I sat with as I heard or listened to chapter 7. And the question is, who's not here yet? Um, It seems as though many of the people who built the wall in the book of Nehemiah didn't actually live in the city, So if you imagine, the Persians come in as they uh, sort of take over the Babylonians who came first, and they conquer what is known as Israel. And those people uh, live all over the place, some in the city, but many in the villages and the towns nearby. And they're taken into captivity back in Babylon. When they come back, they would assumedly want to go back to their homes, many of which were not in the city. Nehemiah, as a good leader, knows that a house that's empty is easier to rob, right? Like, if the city is unoccupied and no one's living there, uh, like, only havoc can ensue. And so he says, hey, for the good of the whole, even though some of you don't live here, you didn't grow up here, that would be a move for you. For the good of the whole, would you move to the city and inhabit the city so we can sort of start from there and build out? And so the list that we get in chapter 7 is all of the people who moved, whether they lived in the city or not, into the city to sort of rebuild the heart and soul of Israel as a nation state, as a tribe, as a people, right? Now, I'm going to do something that I don't normally do here, and that is I'm going to take something that happened in Scripture, and I'm going to use it in a way that the author never intended it to be used, right? When we study the Bible at Awaken, my goal is to, like, read the text, interpret the text, and try to understand it from its original intention, or the person who wrote it, like, what were they saying, and how does that apply to us? I'm going to take this in a direction Nehemiah never intended it to go, unless he saw something that I didn't see, and maybe he knew about me. I don't know, but... There's a question that I just sat with, and and the question was like, wait, who's not on the list? Like, who's not on the list of people, or are they here yet? Uh, I was in a conversation this last week with someone who, uh, you know, spends a lot of time in church world. Uh, And as I was chatting with this person, they were telling me about all the things that were expected of them in their job at this church. And the things that the people uh, expected of them and that their supervisors expected of them and sort of the the general sense around like how many days they'd had off in the last year. And I I was just dumbfounded. I sat there listening to this person. And in that moment, I realized like how far away I am from that reality. How far away this community is from that reality. And it dawned on me that I've forgotten that I've forgotten, like, how unique this place is. And I don't say that to say, like, we're special and everybody else isn't. That's not what I mean, so please don't hear that. But you're here because you know what I'm talking about. Can I get just, like, a a nod, a confirmation? 
There's something about this church and, the, and, the, and what, how we do life together that is like nothing I found in a, in a long time. And I swim in it every week, right? This is just my reality. This has been my life for the past 13 years. And as I listened to this person tell me what was totally normal for them, I realized I had forgotten like how special this place is and how unique it is and how beautiful it is and how much I appreciate it, how much life I have found in it. And I wondered, like, who's not here yet? Um, who's not yet here that would find this as refreshing and life-giving as I do? And I want to pose that question to you this morning. I wonder who comes to mind for you. Like, if we were to make a list of all the people who've inhabited the city after what we've gone through in the last couple of years, right? After COVID. Like, who's come back to sort of, like, make a claim that this is our home and this is the place that I call home and this is my community? If we made a list of all those people, like who's not here yet? Who in your life do you think might be blessed, might find life, might experience what you've experienced in this place but hasn't yet? Is there anybody that comes to mind? Because if you're anything like me, it's easy to forget. And I think that this thing that we call Awaken and this community that we get to participate in is beautiful. And worthy of sharing, and I wonder if there isn't anybody that you know who isn't yet here. And what it, might, what it would take for you to say, you know what, I might invite them. And, and I'm going to pause just for a moment because I know this sounds very familiar to some of you who grew up in the church, right? Like all you got to do is get them to the church and we'll do the rest. That, that is not the spirit of what I'm saying. But in truth, like if you found life and beauty and, and community and you're, you're moving in your spiritual journey and, and, and it's in part because of this community we call Awaken, is there anybody who is yet to experience that, that comes to mind for you? This is a question I was sitting with this week. Um, as we move into chapter 8, there's a couple of things I've noticed uh, or that I did notice. And I found chapter 8 to be a just really beautiful and compelling story as a pastor and as a leader. We went on a little leadership retreat this last weekend, every fall, kind of pre-fall. We all go away, the advisory team, our elders, and our, our core team, kind of our deacons, if you will, if you want to use that language. And the group of us go away to the Daniel's cabin, which, by the way, you all should like be grateful. And if you get a chance, say thank you to Trevor and... and and Jenna and their family who like hosts us at this place, uh, which is not on their job descriptions. But we went up there this last week and Chris, who is our most recent addition to the core team, uh, who has been charged with, invited to uh, tell, the, tell the stories of Awaken this next year so that we don't forget. And Chris was talking about like how much he loves story and narrative. And he said something that struck me and it was, I've never, I've only known the Bible as a textbook. And I hope to learn, I hope to know it more as a story, as a narrative. And like, I think chapter 8 is the pinnacle. Like, what an amazing story that's being told here. A couple things I noticed. Number one, uh, they asked for the word. Uh, and when I say the word word, I'm, uh, it's capital for me. They asked for the word. What I don't mean is they asked for more of the Bible. I think if I know anything about Jewish culture and the Jewish relationship to Torah, which is what they would have read, the first five books of Moses, they understood it to be like the spirit of God, not just this sort of wrote rules and regulations, but rather the spirit of God which would enable them to be the people God had intended them to be. 
And so when they asked for the word, they were asking for God's presence, like the living incarnate um, Shekinah glory, Yahweh presence of the Old Testament that we see in, in, the, uh, in the temple. This is what they're asking for, like bring that. And they ask for it. Verse 1 of chapter 8 says, all the people came together as one. We could just stop there. All the people came together as one before the water gate. And they told Ezra, the teacher of the law, bring out the book of Moses. So in a moment, the wall is completed, right? Uh, the work is done. And in the spaces that have been sacred for generations, like their great, great, great grandparents heard these words read in this place, that kind of space, they gather as one people and they worship. Like, just take that in for a moment. These words and this book had been read in this place for hundreds and hundreds of years. And at the first moment when they, could, when they got back there, after 70 years of being gone, this is what they wanted. This is what they longed for. I don't know if you've remembered or if you've, like, tried to not remember it, but a couple of years ago, on March the 8th, we gathered here, and there were six, over 600 people in this church over two hours, and then the next week, we, we didn't gather. It was called COVID. It was a global pandemic. <laughs> Remind you of that. And for over a year and a half, it was like 400 and some days. I think it was 430 some days, if my memory serves me correct. Not till the next August. So March, March, August. We didn't gather. No one was in this building except for a couple of people. And we did podcasts and we put things on live stream and we did the best that we could. But we missed out on something. And I would argue that something is something that we can only get when we're together. And I wonder, do you remember what you longed for? Like having been gone for as long as we were from being together, do you remember what you missed? Do you remember the things that you were nostalgic for, that you were like, oh, man, that would be sweet? Things I heard were the sound of one another's voices. When all you do is hear your own voice, it gets kind of old, you know? <laughs> so to hear each other's voices together in one room. Like the physical incarnational presence of those you love and appreciate and are walking through life with and sharing memories with sitting next to you. Like look at the person next to you and the person next to them. That. It, it, we missed liturgy and silence and wonder and beauty and awe and worship. We missed uh, bread and wine and sweat in the summer and warmth in the winter. We missed incarnation. We missed the word. We missed presence. And this is what I sense and feel in verse 1, that they came together as one, and what they asked for was God's presence. God's spirit, so awakened, gathered here this morning, I want to encourage you, let's not lose that. Let's not lose touch with that, that longing, that desperation for, that asking for God's presence to be here with us, among us, and in us as we gather. Without that, it's, it's the circus, it's a concert, it's the VFW, right? It's just another gathering of another group of people for some reason. But with it, holy cats, that's a game changer, Right? power of life and death. If we believe in the story of Jesus, the power of resurrection and transformation, let's not lose our desire and our longing for that. Um, they asked for the word in their presence again, and then the learned 
interpreted and translated it. Look at verse 2. On the first day of the seventh month, Ezra, the priest, before the law, before the assembly, which was made up of men and women, right, everybody, and all who were able to understand. This gathering of people, it included everybody, men, women, young, and old. But what was included was the priests, the Levites, these people who had dedicated their lives to the, the study of, the interpretation of, the, the, the telling of this word, these stories. Verse 7 and 8 say the Levites, the priests, instructed the people of the law while they were standing there. They read from the book of the law, making clear and giving the meaning so the people could understand what was being read. So within their community, there were wise and learned people who interpreted and translated. Now, before you think I'm making a case for my job security, I believe that one of the powers and values of the church gathered is the wisdom and um, the learnedness and wisdom about life that is always present when we gather. Um, this is an all-play question. Usually I ask you to, to like speak out. I'd love for you to just raise your hand. If this applies to you, just raise your hand, all right? And I'm just going to ask a couple of questions. If you've started a business or, are, or do entrepreneurial work, just raise your hand, nice and high. For those of you without your hands raised, look around the room. So that moment that you come to when you start something, it's here. If you've lost a close family member to death, Mother, father, brother, sister, son, daughter, raise your hand. When that happens, it's here. Everything you need is in the room. If you've birthed another human, raise your hand. <laughs> if you've ever been fired from a job or been let go, you don't have to raise your hand on a couple of these more vulnerable ones, but if you want to, if you've ever been fired from a job or been let go, like let, laid off, yeah. If you've ever failed on a test in school, there are kids in the room. So if you've ever failed on a test in school, parents, raise your hands. Kids, look around the room. If this ever happens, you have people who know what that was like, who can walk with you. If you've ever done major renovations on your house, raise your hand, <laughs> right? Gang, when the church gathers, there is a wealth of wisdom, learned people all around you. And so to those of you who are here this morning, I would invite you to consider all the things that you have walked through, whether you asked for them or you didn't, that in the economy of God, there is a way by which they can be, if you will hold it with open hands, redeemed, restored, and given as a gift, whether you wanted it or not. But it's your choice to offer your full self to the community of people that walk with you in this Jesus way. And I want to encourage you to think about what it means to show up fully, wholly, with all of yourself, giving all of your wisdom and learnedness to this community, because when you need it, my hope and prayer is that someone will give it as a gift to you. These things that we have, they're not ours. The freedom that we experience in Christ, it's not mine to keep. It's actually a gift I give to you. Similarly, the learned interpreted. They translated the word, and I would suggest to you that we have the opportunity to translate and interpret the experience that we call life. 
when those before us, when those around us are going through something you've gone through, what an opportunity we have when we say yes, when we offer ourselves fully and wholly. So they asked for the word, they, uh, the, the, learn, the, the, wis- the collective wisdom in the group was given. And then finally, they included everybody in the feast. You can imagine after being gone for so long, right? 70 years, they weren't in that place. They've been apart from each other. They've been exiled from their homeland. They've been exiled from the temple, the very house of God. They get back there, and then, like, it's happening. I don't know if you remember the first day back after COVID. I wept. I couldn't sing. It was just, like, overwhelming. That happening, and Nehemiah, Ezra, and the priests stand up, and they say, hey, the days for mourning and grieving, there were plenty of them, but this is not that. So celebrate Get the fattened calf, open all the bottles of wine that you've been drinking while in exile. No, <laughs> sorry. So, sorry, importing our experience into theirs a little bit, right? Get all the bottles of wine, all the good stuff, get it out and throw a feast like, no, like none other. Why? Because God is good. We have lots of feasts in our like national holiday-induced feasts. You know, Easter, Christmas, Thanksgiving, a couple. But, like, when's the last time you feasted just because? Just because God was good. Just because life. Just because friends. I think that's an interesting question to sit with. When's the last time you just pulled out all the stops and threw a party because it was Tuesday? Would you consider... Like, as summer comes to an end, as, like, the halcyon days of summer wane, and you see, like, the sun setting over the corn that's now fully grown, and all the harvest is about to be taken in, and, like, what a bountiful moment in our life every year we come to. Would you ever consider just throwing a party because? Because of joy? Because of life? Because of abundance? There's one part that I left out in that that uh, is easy to leave out in verse 10. And it's a really important part. And it says this. um, Go and enjoy choice foods and sweet drinks and send some to those who have nothing prepared. Did you catch that? The New King James says, go your way, eat the fat, drink the sweet, and send portions to those for whom nothing is prepared. The New Living Translation. Go and celebrate with feast and rich foods and sweet drinks and share gifts of food with people who have nothing prepared. From the first moment back in the city, at the first worship service, they long for, desire, ask for the word, the presence of God to be in their midst. They offer themselves in the wisdom that exists in the community so that everyone can come along and they include everybody in the feast. Said differently, they made sure no one was left out in the celebration of God's goodness. There's a book that I read a little while ago called The Bigger Table by John Pavlovitz. And it's a story about an evangelical Christian guy who has a theological shift. And in that shift, he realizes that the table that he thought was God and God's presence and the gospel in his tradition and in his tribe and in his denomination and in his own understanding was just too small. And that he noticed that one of the things Jesus does consistently over and over and over again is make the table bigger. That there's just a room for an, another person who was previously left out. And then he goes to the next town and it turns out he does the same thing. Somebody else gets a seat at the table. And the table just keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And somewhere between Nehemiah chapter 8 where the priest says, send food so that nobody's left out and Jesus coming, something gets lost which I think is just how we humans operate, right? It's often this way instead of that way. And the gospel, the good news of God in the world, is always that way. 
It's always, I wish I had two hands. I can only do It's always expanding. It's always more. Whatever you think God is like, however lovely you, however beautiful you think God is, it's more. It has to be more. The table just keeps getting bigger in God's kingdom. And so we come back to where we began. To sit with this question as we prepare ourselves to come to this table. This table that Jesus instructs us, invites us to come to. And it's a table that the church has tried to co-opt and tried to put fences around at times. I don't know if you've ever been denied this, the opportunity to come to this table before. That's a weird experience. But it's the table that Jesus says is open to any and all. So as we gather this morning as the church, I just love this story. A group of people who long for, desire, seek after God's presence to be in their midst, who gather and offer the, the collective wisdom to one another because it's hard out there, yeah? It's tough, this thing called life. And I need help, and so do you. And we can get it when we give of ourselves freely to one another. And they make sure that nobody is left out in the feast. So this morning, as you prepare yourself in just a moment to come, I'm going to invite you, um, even as you do, to maybe ask the Lord, is there anybody who's not yet here? Um, is there someone I know who's not yet here? Is there a group of people that we would like to be here that aren't here? Are there people who have been excluded who maybe shouldn't be excluded? Or if they are, it shouldn't be our choice. <laughs> right? We leave that to the divine. So let me offer a word of prayer and just a moment of silence to consider the words of scripture and what the spirit might be saying to us this morning. So pray with me. God, as we take a moment to be still and quiet our hearts and our minds and our bodies, to hear maybe the, the still small voice of your spirit like Elisha. It didn't come in the thunder, it didn't come in the fire, it didn't come in the wind, but it came in a whisper, like a, like a, a small babbling brook. And so even in this moment, God, as we sit in this place that is sacred for us for so many reasons and stories connected to it, would you deepen the desire that, uh, that might live in us for, uh, for your presence? Would you remind us that what we have and what we hold in our hands is to be given away, that we might be, we've been blessed so that we might be a blessing? And that this table of yours is big and long and wide. And you get to decide who sits at it. And it seems pretty clear if Jesus looks anything like you do, God, that there's always room for more. So do that work in us, I pray. In just a moment, I'm going to invite you to the table. Um, if you'd make your way down the side aisles uh, and then back to your seats through the center aisle, there's red wine and there's white grape juice. Uh, the bread's gluten-free. We invite you to take a piece of bread and dip it in the cup. As you do, know that the body of Christ has been broken for you and the blood of Christ has been shed for you. This thing we do is called Eucharist. It's a Greek word that comes from two Greek words. It means good gift. Eucharist. Uh, and it's the good gift of God given to you today. So if you want it, it's yours. Come and get it. There will be no one standing in the way to stop you. 
And then I want to encourage you, as you come and you receive that gift, is there a way in which you might be invited to give that back, to give that into the world so that it doesn't stop with you, so that you're not just a recipient, but someone who participates in breathing in and breathing out, receiving and giving. Um, so come to the table, my friends. Um, if it would be easy for you to receive communion in your seat, I'll just walk down the middle aisle. I've got a little mobile station. I'd be happy to serve you there. Just wave me down. Come to the table. Find us online at www.awakeningcommunity.com or on Facebook at www.facebook.com backslash awakening community or on Twitter at awakening community. See you next time.